Welcome to the Song of Songs. This is a podcast where we discuss the book of the Bible, the Song of Solomon, otherwise known as the Song of Songs. This is your host, John, and in today's episode, we're going to dive into what is probably the first of many controversial texts, and it's not necessarily controversial because it's difficult to interpret or difficult to uh, to apply, uh, but because of the day and age in which we live today. We have already discussed uh, Song of Solomon 1, verses 1 through 4. Of course, in the very first episode, we had a very lengthy introduction defense of the book, uh, and some of that actually plays into uh, the uh, episode today. Uh, we spent some time in that very first episode trying to uh, extrapolate from Scripture and find uh, maybe some evidence to support the belief that I have anyway that um, the woman who Solomon is speaking about, because we, we know that this is a, a book that is divinely inspired, but there was still a woman that Solomon was writing about. There's still a woman who was speaking and calling Solomon her beloved and, and all of this. So who was the woman? And we, we spent a, a little bit of time trying to identify who the woman might have been. And I believe that this woman uh, is, is most likely Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, she received some special treatment from Solomon that uh, wasn't wasn't necessarily given to the other wives that he had. Uh, that's one of the main criticisms that people have against uh, the Song of Solomon and the uh, sweetness of the, the the love story here is they say, well, how can Solomon, who had so many wives and so many concubines, and this this was his besetting sin, right? Uh, how can how can he know anything about this kind of love? Well, there was one who was. Uh, viewed as special among all of these women that he he had married, and we have to remember that um, God uses sinful people. Nobody who penned any scripture was perfect and sinless. God used uh, used people in spite of their their failures, in spite of their sins, in spite of their 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 disobediences, and uh, God could divinely inspire and produce out of an imperfect vessel could pervert produce a perfect work. And so we believe that about all the other books of the Bible. Why can't we believe that about Solomon? Uh, but that's one of the criticisms people have about the Song of Solomon is, well, how can, how can he really know anything about true love, about this kind of love? Uh, but the scripture does speak in uh, in the narratives there in Chronicles and Kings about uh, the special kind of treatment that Pharaoh's daughter received from Solomon. And so I believe that Pharaoh's daughter um, is the woman who is mentioned here. And so when we come to verse number five of the first chapter, that kind of makes sense because, and, and this is one of the evidences from within the pages of Song of Solomon that support my, uh, my particular conviction here that this is speaking about Pharaoh's daughter. She says, I am black, but comely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. And there's really three things that support the evidence that at the very least, this woman was an outsider. You have the statement, I am black, which we, we do find that phrase also used in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah referring about talking about himself, but he's speaking about his spiritual state. He's talking about being in a mournful attitude. You know, he says, I am black, I am astonished. He's talking about a very dull, dreary, melancholy kind of state because he saw all of the distress and the destruction that the people were enduring, going to endure all the punishment and pain. 
and judgment that was going to fall on them and nobody was repenting and so he he was very very discouraged and very distraught and so he uses that terminology in Jeremiah I believe it's chapter number 8 where he says I am black but that's that's a different situation and and a different context than what we're reading right here uh, the woman beginning in verse number 5 and going down into verse number 6 she begins to describe a little bit about her background. And we're not going to get into verse number six today, but in verse number five, she says, I am black, but comely. And in our day and age today, race is such a such a controversial thing. You know, people are afraid to talk about it, but it's a reality of life that people are different. And, uh, and this particular woman uh, was from a place that, you know, she had... Uh, experienced a lot of, of um, exposure to the sun. We see that in verse number six. I said we weren't going to get into that, but let me go ahead and read that. She says, look not upon, upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. So she's saying, you know, I've been beaten down by the sun. And her ancestors obviously had been beaten down by the sun. And that's the reason why her skin had, you know, the, the particular pigment that it had because of the genetics of where they were from and her ancestry and all of that. So this is not a shameful thing. She's not degrading herself because of her skin color, but she is acknowledging something that is very key to our study and to our understanding of this text as we apply it spiritually as well. She is not an Israelite. I've already alluded to that before. I, I believe with all of my heart this is speaking about Pharaoh's daughter, um, but she's not an Israelite. There, there are some people who who would take issue with that and say, well, you know, isn't she a, a Shunammite? No, she's not a Shunammite. That comes from later on. Uh, that belief uh, comes from later on in in Song of Solomon, where uh, he calls her a Shulamite, which is, by the way, not a Shunammite. Shunammite is a different word than Shulamite. Shunammite uh, is dealing with the the tribe that came out of the person named Shunam. Okay. And that's speaking about um, the the most notable person that we might use as an, a reference here is the young damsel that was taken in to to give David uh, as as David was dying essentially give give him warmth his body was not. Uh, moderating temperature very well and so they they brought in this young damsel to to comfort him and to keep him warm and she was a shunamite but that's a different word than shulamite shulamite uh, and it's going to be a long long time before we we get to this actually within within the context of our study in song of solomon but uh the term Shulamite is in Song of Solomon 6 and verse number 13, and it is the husband, Solomon, speaking to the woman, and he says, Return, return, O Shulamite, return, return, that we may look upon thee. And uh, then you have the obvious shift you know, inferred from the scripture that somebody else begins to speak. Uh, what will ye see in the Shulamite as it were a company of two armies? And so you have this back and forth between presumably the daughters of Jerusalem and, and Solomon here, but she she is called the Shulamite here. So what's the difference between Shulamite and Shunamite? And again, this is a long way away, uh, and so um, we're not going to be able to cover this for a long time, so I'm just going to go ahead and mention it now. Shulamite is literally, it's just the feminine of the Hebrew name 
of Solomon. He is, he is literally just calling her by his name. Wife of Solomon is what that word means, Shulamite. So it has nothing to do with her ethnicity. It has nothing to do with her race. Uh, and so, you know, if we would have an argument as to, you know, her not being an Israelite, don't use Shulamite, her being a Shulamite, as, as that argument, because that's just meaning the wife of Solomon. Okay, so we return back to our text in Song of Solomon 1. I am black, but comely. And, and we'll, we'll actually dive into this in just a moment. But she's speaking about her skin color, that she's an outsider. Uh, and then she says, O ye daughters of Jerusalem. And this is the first time that we have this phrase uh, mentioned here in Song of Solomon. And the daughters of Jerusalem are going to be not necessarily a major character or a major role within the narrative of Song of Solomon, but they are definitely a recurring character and a recurring theme found throughout the Song of Solomon. There are certain characters that are mentioned a few times, the daughters of Jerusalem outside of the husband and wife being the most prevalent one. Um, you also have the watchmen that are mentioned as well, and, and the shepherds that are mentioned here in a few verses. Um, anyway, you have the term, O ye daughters of Jerusalem. And this implies, now again, it's not in black and white, this is for sure, for real, what this says, but this implies, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, that the woman is not a daughter of Jerusalem. Okay, and so there's a second piece of evidence to think, well, maybe perhaps she's an outsider. And then she says, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Well, what's she on about there? And again, we'll make the spiritual application a little bit more in just a moment. But as the tents of Kedar, Kedar was a child of Ishmael. Okay. And so she is obviously making it clear, you know, I am an outsider. I'm undeserving of your favor. I'm undeserving of your love. I'm undeserving of your, of your grace. And so we, we draw the, the spiritual application there again for us today. Uh, most of us who are listening to this are probably not full-blooded Jews. And so we, we are Gentiles. And so we can say, looking throughout the pages of scripture, that God has been merciful in dealing with us and extending an offer of salvation to us and in making Jesus Christ not only the propitiation for our sins only, and that's a, a, a Hebrew author who's saying that in First John chapter number two, he's a propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And uh, the scripture tells us, again, it's a Hebrew author that's saying it, that, that God inspires to write, um, that, you know, God would have all men to come re to repentance. His desire is that all men to be, be saved. And we find that in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Uh, we find that in 2 Peter chapter number 3, that uh, God's desire is, is for salvation uh, to be proclaimed and extended and offered to all men regardless of of color of tribe of race of kindred of tongue uh, all of those things so she's saying here you know i i'm an outsider and and that's the main point that we're wanting to drive at today i'm an outsider is what she's saying she says i am black and and she contrasts that by saying but comely and again we don't just want to you know dive headfirst into controversy and offend everybody um but she's not necessarily making a contrast that, you know, to be beautiful, comely, that's what the term comely means, to be beautiful, pleasant to the eyes, and to be black are, you know, somehow um, diametrically opposed to each other. They're, they're, they're not. 
but she is saying she's saying I'm an outsider, but I am I am beautiful and you are attracted to me. And there's an interesting thought that needs to be kind of developed in the mind of the Christian regarding this, that even though we are outsiders, the Lord has extended to us uh, an invitation to be in fellowship with him. And even though that's not based upon any good or beauty that is within us naturally, because all the beauty that is within us naturally has been marred by sin, there is still a beauty upon us that is impressed upon us because we are created in the image of God. We are creations of His. He desires us to be in fellowship with Him. He wants to renew us. He wants to restore us. There is still something, for whatever reason, that the Lord sees us and He has compassion upon us and He pities us and He loves us in spite of all of our weaknesses, in spite of our insufficiencies, in spite of all of our failures and our disobediences. And so we, we see here a principle that is laid down uh, that even though we are outsiders to the covenant, uh, we still have an opportunity to be not only a part of the covenant, but be brought into a place of closest intimacy. So we remember in verse number four, where she says, uh, draw me, we will run after me. But that middle phrase, the king hath brought me into his chambers. That even though we're an outsider, we can still experience that. We can still be brought into his chambers. So she says, I am black, but comely. Uh, she says, oh, ye daughters of Jerusalem. And, and she says, she's speaking to them. I don't think necessarily to justify herself. Uh, but you do have to remember that the daughters of Jerusalem would have had the most critical eyes. They would have been the ones who uh, would discuss around the dinner table, so to speak. I can't believe that Solomon would bring an outsider into his home. I, I, I can't believe that he would, of all the outsiders, that he would marry, marry Pharaoh's daughter, that he would build a house for her attached to his own palace in the city of David. And, you know, all the, the, the criticisms that might be levied against her uh, would have most likely been levied against her from the daughters of Jerusalem. And so she is, she is saying that even though I'm an outsider, I, I have been... Uh, I have been brought into a relationship with the king. I am, I am beautiful. I am attractive to him. This is a voluntary thing. I'm not manipulating him. And so she's offering a defense somewhat to the daughters of Jerusalem. And she basically echoes the same phrase, I am black but comely, but she says it using illustrations. She says it's the tents of Kedar as the curtains of Solomon. And there's two things that we want to extrapolate from this and try to apply today in our lesson. Uh, the first of which being the point that's already been mentioned, that as the tense of Kedar indicates, she's an outsider, an alien to the covenant, not a part of the covenant, but yet being brought into the covenant. And there's a wonderful picture of, of God's grace extended towards us Gentiles there as the tents of Kedar. And then as the curtains of Solomon, of course, Solomon was the king of Israel. And so uh, now she is being associated with and uh, pictured with uh, the curtains of Solomon. Uh, and there's something else that, that needs to be mentioned here about, about this particular expression. The, the tents of Kedar. So, so a tent would... 
be like the tabernacle. We think about the tabernacle. It's the same concept, same principle. And what is the tabernacle? The tabernacle was was a, a temporary structure. It was a temporary dwelling place. Uh, the um, people of, of Kedar, the tents of Kedar, uh, and this is, this is coming from George Burroughs' commentary. Uh, this information is anyway. I'm not necessarily reading from it, but George Burroughs makes the note uh, here that the tribe of Kedar had black tents, and so that would fur- further reinforce the I am black but comely. Um, they had black tents, but, but more than that, they were somewhat nomadic. And so they, they wandered from place to place. They didn't really have a permanent home. And if that doesn't describe our spiritual state before the Lord Jesus Christ saves us, I don't know what does, that we're nomads, we have no home, that we're strangers to uh, any kind of permanent rest, any kind of uh, permanent peace, and that um, we just wander aimless somewhat. And uh, that, that really pictures, or at least it resonates with me because I think about my life um, outside of, uh, of fellowship and walk with the Lord. I, I've been saved. I got born again whenever I was seven years old. The Lord saved me. And uh, so my entire life basically... Um, I've not necessarily been a stranger to the covenant and stranger to the grace, but I, there have been times and moments, seasons throughout my life where I was not walking with the Lord like I should have been. And in those seasons and times where I was not seeking his counsel, I, I can resonate with the term, the tents of Kedar, that I'm just wandering from place to place and setting up a tent wherever I can and, and not really finding a, a, a good place of shelter and a good place of rest and a good place of peace and a place to call my home home and my own. And so I I kind of resonate with that, the tents of Kedar. But then you contrast that with the curtains of Solomon. Well, what are curtains? Curtains are adornments within a permanent or within a, a home within a house and so you go from wandering vagabond to an adornment within a established home and and there's there's a wonderful picture there that we go from being dead in our trespasses and sins to being children of the most high god and and the only thing that can accomplish a miracle like that is the blood of jesus christ and the work of uh, of the grace of god and the holy spirit in our hearts and so we find in this passage of scripture here, this self-description that, uh, no, I, I'm not deserving of the covenant, and I'm not deserving of the fellowship, and I'm not deserving of any of this, this stuff, but that, that's not to say that I don't, I don't get it, because the Lord is, is rich in his mercy uh, towards us. He's not looking at us hoping to find something worthy to bestow love upon. He sees us, what the scripture says, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't come to us when we were at our best. He came to us when we were at our worst, but he he has made us something that we cannot fathom. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. If we would just stop and think about our identity. I'm an outsider, but I am loved. I was a wandering vagabond and a stranger, but now I'm an heir and a joint heir with Christ. Oh, what marvelous 
grace this is. That the Lord would take us from where we were and bring us to where we are. Well, there's more to this story than this. Verse number six tells us a little bit more, but I've pretty much covered the amount of time that I feel comfortable trying to uh, take up from you guys uh, or gals, whatever the case may be, uh, here in this podcast. And so we will save the rest of verse number six for the next episode. And uh, I hope and pray that the Lord will ready our heart for even that message and help us to receive and apply the message that we've heard today, that we uh, can establish our identity not in what we're deserving of in our natural state, but we can establish our identity based upon the loving kindness and the benevolence of God through Jesus Christ our Savior to make us, even us, children of God. Oh, what marvelous love this is. Well, until next time, may God bless you. May God keep you in his word and in fellowship with him. May Jesus Christ be praised.